Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry, with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Gamble on, fellas. Gamble on. Welcome again to Gamble On, the weekly gambling podcast presented by usbets.com. I'm Eric Raskin, U.S. Bets Managing Editor and Media Director, and I'm joined by my co-host, failed Buddhist and U.S. Bets Senior Analyst, Diamond Jeff Edelstein. And I've been trying to figure out for a while, Jeff, how to increase this podcast's reach, how to expand our audience. And finally, this week, I arrived at an answer. All we have to do is both reach the Super Bowl at the same time. You see, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Travis and Jason Kelsey started a podcast together a few months ago, and now they're playing against each other in the Super Bowl. And what do you know? Their podcast is ranking in the Apple podcast top five. So this is the answer, right? If if we start training now, we should be able to make NFL rosters next year. We'll both carry our respective teams to the Super Bowl. Right. And then Gamble On will be enormous. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, you're agreeing with me. So I I, I don't think you're about to pour uh, cold water on this idea. I, I see no holes in this plan. Yeah, no, I mean, there, are, there, a couple holes do come to mind. Mm. Uh, honestly, the biggest hole is just making sure we pay off the right referees, you know, to make sure that <laughs> our respective teams do meet up next year. Because as I learned on Twitter this week, uh, during playoff season, the NFL is rigged. You okay. may want to stay tuned to the end of the pod. I have some thoughts about all this, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I that be, between that and our. Uh, you know, our relative athletic prowess. I think there, there's a few, you know, minor details we, we're going to have to work out before we hatch this plan. <laughs> right. I mean, yes, we are older than your typical NFL athlete, but not that much older than Tom Brady, who was active until a couple days ago. So Sure, sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, maybe we'll talk off pod about, about this. I mean, we got to get in shape. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying we're ready right now. No, but no. Ten sit-ups. I'm, I'm probably there. Ten sit-ups. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I could probably do ten sit-ups. All right. Let's start with that. We'll we'll report back next week. 
Someone's I, dangling like a six pack and a bomb hit in front of me. I think I could get ten sit ups. That kind of that may undo the benefits of the ten sit ups. Yeah. <laughs> That's a fair point. So I I actually listened to the Kelsey Brothers podcast for the first time this week, and I have a few right. observations. I, have you okay. listened to it at all, uh, or no? I have I have not. Yeah. Okay, so first off. Uh, Jason is way funnier than Travis, and that's not just the Eagles fan in me talking. That you know, Travis is serviceable, but Jason is the talent carrying the show. Um, I found it interesting that they said they're both already sick of the Kelsey Bowl angle. Right. <laughs> this, is, this is very early in the two-week stretch of nonstop sure, Kelsey sure. Bowl talk to be sick of it. Um, uh, but uh, here was the big thing: a, a shocker and um, a moment that just made me feel old and reminded me that even guys in their early 30s are way younger than I am and have mm-hmm. some serious gaps in their pop culture knowledge. So Travis mentioned that pro wrestler The Miz tweeted congratulations to them. And Jason was like, wait, he's a wrestler? The only Miz I know is the one from Real World Road Rules Challenge. And Travis is like, no, he's a wrestler. Maybe you're thinking of someone else. So they look him up. Uh, and discover, oh, yeah, he was on Real World first and then became a wrestler. And Jason says he never watched Real World, but he did watch the challenge. And that's where he knew him from. It's just I, I, I assume everyone alive knows The Miz was on the Real World and then became a successful WWE wrestler. But I guess if you're 15 years younger than I am, you don't know all the same things that I do. I don't know. It was, it was just weird to listen to that. Um, but, uh, you know, because they're in the Super Bowl and we're not. More people are listening to these knowledge deficient about the Miz brothers than are listening to us when you and I could probably answer any question anyone would have about old real world casts or pro wrestling. Yeah, I mean, I, I do know about the Miz, but I mean, I, that, I mean, when I was younger, I used to think in excess and inks were two different bands. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> you pronounced it inks, not inksis. I don't know. I mean, I just, I, you know, I just would read it on, uh, you know, the MTV there, and I thought it was inks. I right. don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so, in excess and inks, I thought were, de- I, I, for a long time, I thought were two different bands. Okay. All right. So we all have flaws and uh, yeah. and, and failings is the point, but uh, but in the end, you and I are better podcasters than the Kelsey brother. That, that, well, that's, that's my bottom line here. I I, I appreciate you thinking so. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that may have, so far, the tally is at one of people who think so. <laughs> All right. Thank you to everyone out there for joining us for episode number 227 of Gamble On. If you missed any of our previous 226 episodes, they're all available on Megaphone, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other podcast apps. And uh, happy Groundhog Day, by the way. Oh, thank you. Uh, so, thank yeah, you. You, everyone out there, happy Groundhog Day to you guys. You should listen to this podcast. Listen again. Listen again. Give us a five star rating. Give us another five star rating. You, you get the gist. Sure. Yeah, I'm not. A, I, I don't observe Groundhog Day. I, I'm a more of a secular <laughs> Groundhogian. Yeah, Groundhogian. Okay. Uh, listen, but we gotta. This is this is the show of shows today. We're joined by. We're gonna be joined by the former governor of New Jersey, Chris Christie. Uh, you know, without Christie and his push in to get sports betting legalized, we probably wouldn't be sitting here today. And maybe, you know, stay tuned. He might be announcing his run for president right here on our podcast. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, But before we get there, Eric, as always, plenty of news to cover. Here's your Gamble On News of the Week. An inside look at the biggest stories in the world of gambling. We have us a new sports betting state. Uh, As of 10 a.m. on Tuesday, the fine people of Massachusetts can place a legal wager without leaving the state, although for now there are only three places where they can do so. At the Barstool Sportsbook at Plain Ridge Park Casino, 
at the BetMGM Sportsbook at MGM Springfield and at the WinBet Sportsbook at Encore Boston Harbor. Mobile betting, uh, which so far includes 11 approved platforms, is expected to begin sometime in early March. This makes 33 states with some form of legal wagering. It's the fourth of the six states in New England, so we're basically at the two-thirds mark on both counts. The launch itself was pretty standard. Ribbon cuttings, retired Boston athletes like Ray Bork and Cedric Maxwell placing bets, local politicians making bets, everyone bragging about the size of their video wall. There were some non-standard details leading up to launch, particularly a weird rule related to advertising that nearly caused problems, but we can get to that in a moment. First, Jeff, your general thoughts on Massachusetts entering the party and on whether it really counts as a sports betting state if you have to do it in person. Yeah, no, it doesn't because I've I, the idea of having to drive anywhere to do anything right now in my life is just so foreign to me. <laughs> but I, I mean, I know like this is like you know, I listen. I'm happy Massachusetts is there, and you know, I'll celebrate when you know Georgia or Florida gets its act together, whatever. It's you know, but at this point, like, I, I don't know. Congratulations, you're finally here. You know what I mean? Like the party <laughs> started a couple years ago. Like, what are right. you waiting for? You know, so come on, let's let's keep let's keep this ball rolling. We still got another 17 states to go. You know, this is the the, the idea that at, at this point now, if your if your state doesn't have it, you're 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 backwards. You know? Yeah, it's true. You're you're well in in the minority at this point if your state doesn't have it. So, um, I I, I will uh, disagree with you and say that this does count. Uh, <laughs> that if if we are keeping tally of legal sports betting oh, states, counts, they're there, sure, right? Um, Massachusetts is going to be a big state, um, but it's certainly not a big deal until mobile comes along, uh, which should be in time for March Madness. But yeah, for now, retail launching at three casinos, it's basically in our industry, this is a one day story and then you move on and, and we'll come back to it in five weeks or so when they have real betting that doesn't force you to get in your car and drive somewhere. Um, the, the weird subplot that I alluded to. So Last Friday, one of the last gaming commission discussions before launch, there was one last hurdle to get past. They had a regulation that responsible gambling messaging in all marketing materials had to be at least a certain font size. You couldn't just make it teeny tiny. But the three casinos already had stuff printed up and distributed that violated the rule. So they asked for a waiver until after the Super Bowl and the commission granted one and They'll all have to get in line by mid-February, um, and it's uncertain whether they'll do billboard ads, yada, yada. But the main thing is this Massachusetts commission actually made a simple, straightforward, level-headed decision about this with no fuss. You know, we have this rule, but you didn't know about it when you printed this stuff up. We're not going to jeopardize the retail launch over this. Let's just waive the rule for a couple of weeks. It's really refreshing to see the process work this way, which... I realize kind of a low bar situation, but, you know, stupider things have gummed up the works in stupider states. So shout out to the Massachusetts Commission for, for not being stupid about this. Also, shout out to us for going through this entire news item without once trying to do a Boston accent. <laughs> Are you daring me? I'm not saying you can't, but I'm just saying we made it this far, so okay. why ruin it? All right. Yeah, I won't. And uh, so uh, you may know that my, my mother is from Rhode Island. And, uh, I, I did not know that. And of course, I went to college in Rhode Island, so I've been ex exposed quite a bit to the 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 near cousin of the Boston accent, and some might say the even worse version of the accent. So I'm not going to attempt that either. But uh, God, they're all awful accents. Although I wonder if people in Boston think the Philly accent is is really like the worst of all. Who knows? Philly, Philly accent is is rough. You don't have it though. I, I, I don't. don't right. Well, yeah, I don't have an accent really because I was I was raised by the television where I heard all, right. all the different all the different accents. 
But yeah, the Philly accent is horrible. I can say that as a Philadelphian. People who have it real bad. It's funny. It's a good one to make fun of. Like people who do a good impression of it amuses me. But the act, people who have it for real, yeah, I feel sorry for them. It's pretty tough to listen to. You, you know where you know where I'm taping this podcast from? Uh, no. My him. <laughs> My him. <laughs> well, sorry. So we had to do a, an impression of some accent. Yes, couldn't let it go. I mean, I I'll, I would watch Mayor of Easttown over again just for the accents, although also for the great show. Contained Can I tell in. you, my, my wife is from the Philly suburbs, and when we started dating, she pronounced uh, bagel, bagel, mm-hmm. like bagel. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I kid you not, like, as I was debating whether or not to continue this relationship, that was like on the no side. <laughs> oh, that's like, a, I, yeah. I, I it, it was like it was it was you know it, it was breakupable. I, I brought it to her attention. I said you got to stop doing that. You got to say a bagel. I I can't live with someone who says bagel. And she cur- she corrected it. She curbed it. She wouldn't convert to Judaism, but she would pronounce bagel correctly. So all we're right. all good. I I to me that's a victory. The segment on our podcast is not bagels and locks. Thank God. No. Right. <laughs> I I my brother-in-law says wooder. He's one of those. He drinks wooder. Yeah. Yeah. That's rough. All right. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry, with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great, too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Okay. <laughs> so should we talk about uh, the gambling industry again? Should we get back to that? I think, I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do All that. Right. Okay. So uh, we go from a major East Coast state that now allows sports betting to another major East Coast state that may be on its way there. State senators in Georgia filed a new bill late in the day Tuesday to legalize sports wagering. And the interesting wrinkle here is that they're trying to legalize it without a constitutional amendment, uh, meaning this wouldn't be put before voters on the 2023 or 2024 ballot. If the legislature approves it, it could become law just like that. And that's not how this topic has been approached in Georgia in the past. Leading Georgia State University law professor and political scientist Anthony Michael Christ to state, legislators are playing in unstable terrain. Uh, Some details. Uh, Georgia's legislative session runs from now to the end of April. And a bill introduced this year can carry over to next year. The bill would allow for up to 18 mobile licenses. The tax rate would be 20%. And betting on all college sports, including in-state teams, would be permitted. Uh, Georgia has gotten the ball rolling at times the last couple of years and gotten people there optimistic, only to stall out. So any hunch, Jeff, as to whether this year will be different? And any thoughts on this approach of going around the voters, leaving them out of it, and trying to get something done more quickly? 
Yeah, I mean, isn't that the way most laws get made? Like, we elect these people to, like, be our voice, and they go ahead and make laws? Like, isn't right. that normal? So, Typically. yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so I don't know. I I, I guess I'm a little heartened by the fact that they, they seem pretty hell-bent on getting this done one way or another. So, I don't know. I, I, I guess my hunch is that, yeah, I think they are going to get it done and join the party and be the 34th state. You know, yeah. here we go, another right. state. <laughs> I, I love how nonplussed you are whenever a, a new state joins the party at this point. Well, I kind of am. I, I mean, right. I th- I'm, I'm. It's more like, what took you so long? Like, right. what are you, what are you, what are you waiting for? There's like a blueprint out there at this point. You know, yes. many states have done this. Many yes. states are doing it well. Like, just do it. Be done right. with it. You know. Right. Well, if they, if they do pass this bill, I, I. I... I do like the broad strokes of it. Uh, you know, plenty of licenses, a tax rate that's not too high and not too low, all the college betting. Um, it seems, though, like everyone that we know in Georgia, uh, and we do work with some people who are who are based there and are fairly tapped in, they remain concerned about the faction in the state that views gambling as morally unacceptable. There's usually more of that in southern states than in northern states. And I'd imagine that those who object are going to particularly object to the end around of putting it on the ballot, uh, of not putting it on the ballot and, and leaving it to the voters, um, which, as, as you said, that's standard elsewhere. But I guess in, in Georgia, that's not the way it was expected to be done. Uh, then again, maybe the senators who decided to do that end around know that they have the votes in the legislature to get it done. And they're right. just sick of falling behind other states and want to fast track it. So it seems kind of close to 50-50. But, uh, but yeah, I'll go ahead and share your optimism and, and, and lean that way and say Georgia is going to legalize sports betting this year uh, based on very little actual knowledge. Uh, but just uh, just hunch-wise, I'll, I'll go Georgia's a yes. Yeah, I mean, we're, why start now with basing anything on knowledge here? Let's <laughs> Good just... point. <laughs> All right. Um, for our final story this week, well, the odds makers have done it again. Uh, heading into the conference championships, they opened the Chiefs as favorites, and everyone bet the Bengals, and they had to swing several points almost immediately before eventually boomeranging back. And with the Super Bowl matchup set, lines varied, but most of them favored the Chiefs by a point or two over the Eagles, but got hammered until the Eagles were favored by as much as two and a half points. Uh, as of our recording, it seems to have settled at Eagles by one and a half. Uh, of course, as it turned out, last week's opening line was almost dead on as the Chiefs beat the Bengals by three. So the quote unquote bad line hung by the books wasn't so bad and, and worked out for them in the end, it seems. It's certainly possible that the same will be true here, that the Chiefs will win by at least a couple of points and every Eagles bet will lose. But trying not to be so results oriented it's interesting that the bookmakers were this far off from the public two weeks in a row, either underestimating the Chiefs' injury issues or at least underestimating how betters felt about them. Any idea what the books were thinking with their opening lines, Jeff? And what's your guess as to where this line will be at kickoff? Yeah, I think you know, I think I'm going to side with the books on this one. Uh, I, I would have thought that the Chiefs would have been the slight favorites. Like if you'd asked me before the games even got played that day. Uh, if you told me it was going to be the Chiefs Eagles, I would have said, yeah, probably, you know, Chiefs by a few. Um, and I, and I, for me, the reasoning there is that, you know, this is a team that's been there before they've, you know, this is, you know, it's not new to them. Uh, you know, and I also, and now, now that the games were played, I think betters might be overestimating the Eagles a little bit. I mean, they're a great team. Let's not, I'm not saying that, but you know, that 49er game, I mean, that was a shit show from, from jump, you know, <laughs> yes. like that, you know, that was not. You know, you, you play that game a thousand times. That is in like the, you know, less than 1% outcome range, I think. You know, how that game played out. Right. Um, I don't know. I think by the time kickoff rolls around, I think the Chiefs will be, I don't know, maybe pick them, maybe half point, point favorite. 
Interesting. Yeah. So I thought I was going to be the contrarian by saying that uh, the books probably uh, the 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 where where they opened it was kind of what I expected. But I guess I'm not. I guess we're or unless we're both the contrarians. Uh, I, I was with the books on this one. If anything, I was more extreme than the books. Not that I think the Chiefs are better or should be expected to win, but after the Eagles Niners game where. Jalen Hurts really was not throwing the ball well at all. And, you know, they did what they were supposed to do, given what they were up against. But they really didn't prove a whole lot against a team with no quarterback. The Eagles really just didn't look great in that game to me. So so I figured whoever won Chiefs-Bengals was going to be about a field goal favorite. And when it was the Chiefs, uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes looking healthy enough. This team has the pedigree. The public trusts them. Yeah, I was expecting it to open around Chiefs minus three. And then I see Chiefs minus two and a half at one book, Chiefs minus one and a half at another, and Eagles minus one at DraftKings. Uh, and then it starts moving toward the Eagles everywhere. I was surprised. Um, so, I mean, I, I do think at this point the line is in the right place with the the Chiefs injury question marks and just how deep the Eagles are and how consistently good they were all season in games in which they had Hertz and Lane Johnson and Jordan Davis. Basically, you know, they they only looked mortal in the couple of games that injuries caught up to them. So, yeah, I mean, I think they should be favored by a little, but I expected the Chiefs to be favored. Um, the books moved quickly enough that they're, you know, not opening up some massive middle opportunity for, for too many people. Um, and really that middle only hits hard if one team or the other wins by one point. But yeah, in terms of where it's headed, I'll go ahead and guess that some Chiefs money rolls in and maybe it moves to pick them, but then some Eagles money comes back in at the end. So I'm going to say the line at kickoff is exactly what it is now. We end up at Eagles minus one and a half. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the game. I think in my mind, I think I just feel like the Eagles, I think where they could go wrong you know, they want to run the ball, you know what I mean? And I feel like that, you know, they, if the Chiefs jump out to a quick lead or if the Eagles are having trouble running the ball, I, you know, they, they, they stick with it for too long, right. you know, you know, the game could get away from them pretty quickly. I mean, the, I, I think Hurts is awesome. I, I think A.J. Brown is awesome. I think Devonta Smith is awesome. I'm not sure what this team would do when they're down 17 nothing. Yeah, I mean, they really only faced that like once all season that it, when they had most of their guys, which was that Colts game that they fell way behind and, and rallied to win with a little bit of luck on their side against a bad team. Um, the, as far as the running, it's it seems like what they typically do is come out throwing the ball just yeah, for the first the first drive or two. Right. But then but then, yeah, the whole second and third quarters, if they if they've got a lead, it's just run, run, run. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens if they don't get out to a lead. And yeah, Hertz, who was such an accurate passer on the deep ball most of the season, post injury, post shoulder injury, especially in that game against the Niners, none of his deep throws were accurate. He was either slightly overthrowing or slightly underthrowing everyone. And they didn't connect on any of those passes. Yeah. All right. We'll save this more for next week. <laughs> That's true. We do need to save a little <laughs> right. something for Super Bowl week. It's time to welcome a special guest from the world of gambling. Let's get to the Gamble On interview. We now welcome to the podcast a man without whom, well, frankly, this podcast probably wouldn't exist. His last name was originally in the name of the court case that eventually led to the overturning of PASPA. And so the spread of legal sports betting, available only in Nevada five years ago, but now available in more than half the country, is owed substantially to his legal fight to allow it. I am, of course, talking about the former governor of New Jersey, Chris Christie. Governor, welcome to Gamble On. 
I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely. All right, listen, let's just get right to it. When you started down this road to try to upend PASPA, I mean, did you, at the moment when you started it, did you think that this would ultimately be successful? Did you think it was going to have to go all the way to the Supreme Court? And I guess since this is a gambling podcast, what odds were you going to give it at the time to get, well, it, to get it through? I absolutely thought we were legally correct. and But I also believe that we were going to have to go to the U.S. Supreme Court to get it done. I didn't think there was going to be any district court judge or circuit court judge that was going to have the stones to overturn PASPA in light of the NFL, MLB, NHL, NBA, and NCAA all saying no. And But the one advantage that we had that I think people d- discounted in the beginning, but not when we got to the Supreme Court, and the reason why I gave us pretty good odds, uh, I'd probably put us at like a plus 150 when we started, um, was we had Ted Olson. You know, the the best living Supreme Court advocate. Mm. He has won 78% of the cases in his life that he argued, has argued before the Supreme Court, and no one has argued more cases before the Supreme Court currently living. I was shocked when we called, when we passed the law, and they immediately slapped an injunction on us. Um, we needed to get a lawyer, and I called Ted immediately, and I thought, the leagues will have already locked Ted up. They had to have, right? <laughs> and I said, Ted, here's the situation. Are you conflicted? And he said, no. And I was like, yes. <laughs> You've got the best Supreme Court advocate. And for anybody who went to, as I did, and at the time it was argued even, uh, in, in December of, of 2017, it was still Christie versus the NCAA. Um, it was only when the decision came out in May that Phil Murphy had taken office and therefore he got into the title of the final case. But in every other case before that, it was me. And I sat in the front row for the argument and it was very clear from about 10 minutes into the argument that we were going to win. So, uh, you know, you mentioned Ted Olson after he took it on for you guys, would the odds have moved from to, to the negative territory, you think? No, that's what put us at plus one fifty. That's what put you at plus one fifty. Was having Ted. And and look, we lost Six times before we won. Right. Remember, we lost at the district court, circuit court, circuit court en banc. And the first time we tried to go to the Supreme Court, they refused to grant us certiorari. So we were 0 for 4. We then redid the law, signed another law, then lost at the district court and the circuit court. So when the circuit court came back, and we had done exactly what the circuit court told us we needed to do for it to pass legal muster. We literally took the circuit court opinion and we wrote the law based upon that, the second law. And then they still said no by a two to one vote. And Ted Olson called me and he said, I know you spent millions of dollars on me. I know I'm 0 and 6 right now, but I'm telling you, if you give me one more shot at the Supreme Court, I think we'll win. And I said, all right, Ted, how much will it cost for me to go to the Supreme Court one more time? And he said, a million dollars. And I said, let's do it. I said, because if we win, if you're right and we win, then we're going to make a hell of a lot more than that as a state and and across the country. And if we lose, well, I've already spent six and a half million. So what the hell's the difference between six and a half million to seven and a half million <laughs> at this point? Let's try to bring it home. So um, that was the key decision moment. And he went there and and uh, I, you know, I remember walking out of the court, the courthouse that day with Steve Sweeney. Who was the Senate president at the time, and he was was there as well. 
And the two of us were laughing on the way out that the people who had given us a load of crap about advocating for this, you know, now we're going to be very wrong when we won. Mm-hmm. Oh, excellent. Kind of a classic sports underdog story, really. Uh, oh, and six, and then and then win the big one. <laughs> I can't wait for Disney to make the movie. It's going to be. So so here we are, five years later. How close is the reality of sports betting in 2023 to what you envisioned before PASPA was overturned? And are, are you generally pleased with what you see? It's pretty close to what I thought it would be, Eric. I, I you know the, uh, I thought even more states would have it than do. So I'm a little surprised that places like Texas don't have it yet and some of the other larger states haven't done it yet Um, and that New York is just a recent entry to it. I thought it would happen more quickly than that. But I also knew that this device was going to be the key, Um, that a lot of people said we were doing it to save the casinos. And in New Jersey, we wrote our law that way to make sure that every one of the online partners needed to have a casino partner. We had a license in New Jersey to try to make sure that we helped the brick and mortar casinos. But in the end, I knew this was going to be people like my 29 year old son, my 22 year old son who are on, you know, DraftKings um, or one of the other sites all the time um, betting on games in game betting, all the rest of it. I think that the, the, the smartphone combining with sports gaming still makes me stunned that the leagues fought us for six years on this. We think about what this has done for the leagues. And I was telling Roger Goodell that all along. I'm like, Roger, I'd see Roger once or twice a year during this. And I'd say to him, you you guys are nuts. I'm going to increase the value of all your franchises. You let me do this. And um, so I think it's pretty much turned out the way I thought. I've been very encouraged by the way the states have regulated it. They need to continue to regulate it the right way. Because um, if they don't, the feds will try to get involved. And that's something we don't want to have happen. Right. What what are your feelings now on the tax rates that we've seen different states roll out? Because I remember you were very skeptical about Pennsylvania's high tax rates before they launched. They've done pretty well. Other states like New York have pushed it even further than that. Are those high tax rates not so bad in retrospect or are they going to still end up kind of causing a problem? No, I think they're going to cause a problem. I mean, I think in the end, um, you have less competition. You look at all the different options, for instance, in New Jersey that you have to gamble uh, on sports versus New York. You basically have three options. Pennsylvania have very few options because a lot of these smaller, more entrepreneurial companies are not going to want to get in because they're not going to make the money. Mm. You know, so you're only going to have the very biggest, the MGMs or, or, um, or DraftKings or FanDuel are, are the ones you're going to have. And so I still think that the, you know, for what it should be, which is we should have broad consumer choice so that the better can go from site to site and see where can they get the best odds? Where do they have the most inventive options in terms of in-game betting, parlays, all the rest of that? That's what makes it really interesting over the long haul, I think. I think people are already over the idea that they could bet for a team to win or lose on the money line or with the spread. They're now looking for other ways to make money. Um, and I think the more of those entrepreneurial-type companies you have involved with the big ones, the better – and the thing that keeps them out, the barrier to entry is tax rate. So have you enjoyed the fruits of your labor? You uh, you, you laying some bets down? I, I do. I do, although I did bet 100 bucks on the Bengals, plus mm. two and a half on Sunday. So <laughs> that was a painful half-point loss. Um, uh, so, I, you know, that one was a, that, one, that was not a winner. But the week before, 
I was three and zero. I don't bet on the Cowboys games because, as a Cowboys fan, I'm already too emotionally involved. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't bet on that game. But in the in the divisional series, I was three and zero. So yeah, I do. Um, I bet on things. I have um, I have a, a DraftKings app, which is the one I use most of the time on my phone. Uh, I have FanDuel on my phone too, but DraftKings is the one I use predominantly, and um, and it's been great. I, I've enjoyed it, and I'm not like a crazy better, but I, it's mostly for me, a pro in college football and uh, college hoops are the things that I do the most. Um, I don't bet on baseball um, and, and I rarely bet on hockey um, every once in a while. You know, in hockey, Jeff, you know what the steal is. It's the empty netter that always kills you. Right. That's it. <laughs> that does you in. Uh, speak, you know, speaking of your Cowboys, I mean, the, their their Twitter, their official Twitter threw Dak right under the bus after the game. I mean, what's going on over there? Is Dak, is Dak the long-term answer or are you ready to move on and look for something bigger and better? Now, look, when I look around the rest of the league, I'll stick with Dak. Um, <laughs> not like there's a ton of quarterbacks out there and available. And, you know, what they did was, and, and they did it inartfully, um, they quoted a news story. That was from a news story, and they quoted it and block quoted it out. I don't think it was the Dallas Cowboys actually saying it. It was a reporter saying it and they didn't make it clear in the tweet, which they should have. And, and they yeah. clarified it later, but no, I think, I think Jerry and the crew are committed to Dak. And I think, um, I think the firing of Kellen Moore is an indication that they think maybe the offense wasn't designed in the best way for Dak to succeed. And also it's putting the heat on Mike McCarthy. Now he's going to call the play. So Next year is his make-or-break year. Mm, I'm leading break on that one, Chris. I hate to break it. <laughs> I hear you, buddy. Believe me, it's been 28 years since we've been to a Super Bowl. <laughs> so, all these people who hate Cowboy fans, I always say to them, like, we've had misery for 20-plus years. Like, we haven't won a damn thing. You're, they're, they're, nearing, they're, they're, they're nearing our beloved New York Mets territory at this they're, point. They exactly are. <laughs> yeah, they are. Well, I will certainly not add to your misery by telling you that I'm a lifelong Philadelphian whose team went to the World Series this year and his other team is about to go to the Super Bowl. I won't mention that to you and no, bring don't you mention down. That at all. Look, I, I I and what I would say in response is I'm we're we're thrilled to have the Sixers around because they do everything in New Jersey except play their games. <laughs> right. Um right. And the Flyers, well, oh, they're the Flyers. So right. <laughs> if I had on today, we could just say that and we can move on. But to all Eagles fans, congratulations. It's great to go to the Super Bowl. Um, and, you know, I I am going to pull for the Eagles in the Super Bowl. They're an NFC East team. Mm-hmm. So let's pull for the Eagles. I'm going to be rooting for the Eagles um, on Super Bowl Sunday. I have no connection to the Chiefs. The hell with them. Let's root for the Eagles. <laughs> That's right. The hell with the Chiefs. I agree. That's right. I will say yeah. this. The Empire State Building should not have been lit up green and white. Mm, that was rough. Very, very poor form. That and whoever rough. made that decision should be brought on the carpet by uh, by those in charge immediately. <laughs> All right. So um, t- take us back to the debate stage in 2015 when you uttered the phrase, we're talking about fantasy football. Uh, obviously, plenty has changed, both politically and in fantasy football since 2015. But do we still suffer from the same problem of, of focusing on the wrong issues? Oh, God, of course we do. And and I think, you know, the idea that somebody as smart as Jeb Bush, and Jeb is a smart guy, was sitting up there talking about federal regulation of fantasy football. To me, it's still one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard on the debate stage. Um, and we do, we're making those mistakes all the time. And I think, you know, I think we got to get back to basics in politics. And the, the biggest basic is 
we need people to start telling the truth again. That would be refreshing. And we've had, you know, a whole slew of from Donald Trump and the myriad of untruths that that he told over time. And Joe Biden, who, you know, it seems like every week he's coming up with a new fantastical story about him or his father or his uncle or, you know, somebody he was raised Puerto Rican. I mean, like, you know, I mean, just it's Joe, you know, he just can't he can't help but embellish. Um, I think the American people would like to get back to basics and have some, you know, some folks who just tell the truth. That might be a good place to start um, before we start getting into more complicated issues. All right. Uh, I, I don't want to go down a, a a partisan path at all. I guess I'll just counter the Joe Biden with a quick mention of George Santos's name and then move on. <laughs> <laughs> Again, look, now you're bringing in, you know, one of the all time world champions. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's just, it's very true. If, imagine what George Santos would be if he had a career as long as Joe Biden. I mean, that would right. really be quite something, although. Given the way it looks, I don't think that's going to happen for old George. I think I think he he might be the um, political equivalent of a one hit wonder. Right. Yeah. Oh, well, maybe we should ask you to set some odds there, or an over underline on date that his political career ends. Well, how about this? No later than in two years than, than, than January third <laughs> of of twenty twenty five. I think yeah. that's gotcha. a safe bet. Okay. You know, since we're, since 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 we're broaching the topic of politics here, just last week and only for about forty eight hours before realizing that they shouldn't have done it because it's kind of a gray area. Uh, the state of Arizona posted odds, allowed you know operators to post odds for the twenty twenty four presidential election, uh, and they they had you in there as a sixty six to one long shot. Uh, so, would you care to take this opportunity to discuss whether there might be value in that number? And while we're here, if you want to like make your announcement that you're running in 2024 <laughs> on this gambling podcast, you know we 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 wouldn't say no to that. We could clear the air. Well, as inviting Jeff as that as that offer is, yes, I'm going to have to just discreetly pass. Fair. I'm making any <laughs> announcements here, but, but um, in terms of the odds, look, uh, you know, it depends on how much money you got in your pocket, but you know, um. <laughs> I, as you know, I have often been underestimated in my career. And, um, you know, people who have a little faith, you know, they might want to throw a couple of bucks down on that. But, you know, I don't want anybody to spend, you know, the uh, grocery money um, on any of this, as they shouldn't on any of their sports bets either. All right. So so maybe, what do you think? Better to put this on a Mets World Series this year or the uh, Christie presidential number? Well, I, I look... If you asked me this year, what is the most important thing to me? The most important thing to me over 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 the next year would be to see our Mets win the World Series. <laughs> and, that, and I have a fiduciary duty now to to be that way because I'm on the board of the Mets. Ah. So, so I also have a fiduciary duty to, to 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 be rooting for that. We'll let 24 take care of 24 when it comes. Um, but first things first, you know, spring training's in 18 days. Um, let's get, let's get cracking. Let's go. There we go. All right. Let's go Mets. I agree. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> certainly we can't complain about our owner anymore. That's for sure. Well, he's, he, he does, he knows how to spend a few dollars. That's, that's clear. He he does not. Steve Cohen does not operate out of fear. No, no, he does not. <laughs> no. And then, and, and, and when, when I have Yankee fans, this is great. I have Yankee fans complaining to me about how much money the Mets are spending. <laughs> Right. Well, listen, being a Met, Eric doesn't understand what's like being. This is, you know, living in New Jersey my whole life. If I'm walking down the street and I see two Yankee fans wearing Yankee hats passing each other, they don't even acknowledge each other. 
They just they just go about their business. Two Mets fans wearing Mets hats pass each other. There's that nod. There's that knowing nod. There's like, yep, I'm, I'm with you, brother. Yep, pain, <laughs> yep. disappointment, the whole thing. I mean, you know, my wife asked me. You see, in my house, our, we have four children. They can all root for whoever they want to root for, except for baseball. Baseball, you must be Mets fans, <laughs> and and it, or you don't eat. That's it. You know, Got to be Mets fans. And and my wife back all the way back in 04 when the Yankees you know, came back against the Red Sox and, you know, Aaron Boone hit the home run. My son at the time, my oldest was like 11 years old and he, I made him go to bed and the Red Sox were winning in game seven when he went to bed at school the next day. He woke me up at 6 a.m. the next morning and he said, did they lose? Did they lose? (laughs) No, no, they came back and won. He went, this is going to be the worst day at school ever. (laughs) He just went shoulder slumped walking out. My wife turned to me and said, why couldn't you let him be a Yankee fan? Yeah. Be happy. And I said, no, no, no. Life is full of pain and disappointment. He needs to yes. learn now. That's right. And then when, when good things happen, it's that much sweeter. Exactly. When we win it, which yeah. we're going to win it in the next year or two, when we win it, it's going to be the sweetest. Yep. And the Phillies came close. They almost did. Mm-hmm. Almost. Almost. Not quite, though. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you and I don't share uh, sport sports teams uh, in common then, but we do have another shared interest, and that is, uh, I don't know how well you can see him uh, over my shoulder there, but I have a picture of Bruce and Clarence just over my shoulder. I can see it. <laughs> so, the, so the Springsteen tour starts this week. Uh, I'm taking my whole family to see him at Penn State in March. I believe it's my ninth Bruce concert, which means I'm only about 130 or so behind you. Uh, you got your Bruce tickets for this tour? I will be at the opening night of the tour. Uh, it will be show number 144 wow. for me when you count the Broadway appearances, which I do count. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll be number 144 for me tomorrow night um, in Tampa. So uh, Mary Pat and I are leaving tomorrow morning, take a quick flight down to Tampa, see Bruce tomorrow night and fly back on Thursday. So got to be there for opening night for what may wind up being the last full band tour. I mean, these guys are 73 years old. So we can't expect this to go on forever as much as we might like to. So I will be there tomorrow night and I'll try to catch as many of the shows in the first leg. Um, I'll be at the rock at the Prudential center in Newark. I'll go and see him there. I'll see him in Philly. Um, and we're, we're trying to see whether we can venture over to Europe for a show or two um, this spring. So we will definitely, we will add to that total. I'm hoping by this summer to get to 150. Okay. I get to 150. That's the goal for this summer. Um, my, I told my wife, I want to get to 200 shows before this tour is over. And she told me that I'm completely nuts. So um, <laughs> yeah, one, one fifty is a more realistic goal. I think. Yeah. Yeah. 150, 150 by the time of this summer. And then let's see where the tour goes from there. You know, we, you know, he's, I don't think he's quitting anytime soon. I think this is going to go on for a while. Right. All right. And then, and then after all, all this, uh, then, then you'll focus on, uh, taking down Ticketmaster, I assume. <laughs> I wish if I were still U.S. attorney, I would have I would have much more uh, much much more sway to be able to do that. It's one of the things I missed when I was U.S. attorney was taking down Ticketmaster. <laughs> I, you know that that would have made me the most popular uh, political figure in America if I had yeah. taken down Ticketmaster. So I missed that one, Jeff. Now when they ask me what regrets I have as U.S. attorney, I have to add not taking down Ticketmaster. Yeah. You, <laughs> could have, you could have been handing Taylor Swift tickets out to anyone, and you, exactly you, right. They, right. They would have elected your pope. You could have had anything. <laughs> Jeff, can you only imagine me as the Pope? That would be the Catholic Church sixes has problems. Wait till I get in as Pope. That'd be quite something. All right. So, so he didn't declare that he intends to make a presidential run, but he did declare his intention. Hope is to on be the pope. table. All right. Hope's look, on the table. Look, 
Because yeah, I would. I think it would be hard as a good Catholic not to accept that post. Sure. Okay. But I would put that at like plus one hundred and fifty-five million. <laughs> I'm putting a dollar on it just in case. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much, uh, Governor Christie. It's been a, a real pleasure talking to you. Thank you for your time today, and uh, just you know for what you accomplished for our industry. Eric, look, I thank you. I'm I'm uh, I'm thrilled that we won the fight. We won. And I see how it's changed sports, and I and I think for the better. Um, I think people are enjoying it even more. More people are getting involved. That's what I'd hoped it would do. And I and and so from my perspective, um, it was a fight worth having. And so uh, um, I appreciate it. And this is much more pleasant than talking politics with Jeff <laughs> all the years that I was at the state house. So I'd be happy to come on, gamble on anytime you want. This is this is a welcome relief from reading Jeff's columns in the Trentonian. I guarantee you. <laughs> Governor, thanks so much for doing this. Really appreciate it. My pleasure, guys. Two men. $10,000. Will they run it up or blow it all? It's time to check in on the Gamble On bankroll. No more bagels and locks. Uh, or bagels and locks until next mm. football season. <laughs> uh, and that's probably a good thing anyway, as our shared Bengals and locks pick last week didn't go so well. Uh, but uh, instead, at the end of the show, we'll be opening up the listener mailbag for the first time. But first, let's update our betting bankroll. And it was, for the most part, one hell of a week for us. We did have some small futures bet losers, though. So let's get those out of the way. You had $50 on the Bengals to win the Super Bowl, and John had $20 on them. So combined, that's $70 lost there. Fine bets, just uh, just didn't quite pay off. And I had $25 on McCaffrey to win Super Bowl MVP. That one's out, and I'm not sad about it. Uh, on the plus side, the classic tennis boxing parlay, Rabakina, uh, I, I, know, I now know how to pronounce it. Rabakina won her semifinal match. Better Biev won by stoppage in round eight, so that parlay won us $150. You hit big with a plus 300 parlay. Hertz and McCaffrey each to score TDs. That won us $300. And I picked just the right yardage amount for my Travis Kelsey parlay. I was parlaying a touchdown and the over, and one book had 74 and a half yards, one had 77 and a half, one had 80 and a half. I took the middle one, and he finished with a touchdown and 78 yards. So we got there by the margin of one arbitrary spotting of a ball, uh, and we won $216 on that. So that gave us an eerie $666 in profit on our three parlays, but minus the $95 for the futures bets, we won $571 for the week. We're now down by $1596, plus we have $1,245 on hold in futures bets. So that leaves us with $7,159 available to bet with this week. And I'm up first. Um, and before I get to my bets, I want to share the quick version of my fun real-life parlay story. You know about this already, Jeff. I'll yep. try and do the very short version. Uh, so points bet constantly gives out these $1 free bets for SGPs. So I throw together usually something between 20 to 1 and 50 to 1 and don't expect them to hit. They had one for Chiefs Bengals, and I forgot to make a bet before the game, but you can still do it for an in-game SGP. So we're a couple of minutes into the game, and in-game, the odds are changing quickly. By the time you pick an SGP, all the numbers can change and you got to start over. It's annoying. So I'm just mashing buttons. Uh, open up the list of touchdown scorers. Travis Kelsey, first TD. T. Higgins, anytime TD. Samaji P. Ryan, anytime TD. Plus 9,000. Hit confirm. Hope it goes through before the odds change. And uh, okay, good. It's in. Early in the game, 
Pacheco scores a touchdown for Kansas City. And in my mind, that's it. Bet's over. Cross it off in my head. But the touchdown was called back. And by the time Kelsey scored, it didn't register in my head that it was the first touchdown. So I forgot all about the bet, logged on the next afternoon. My account has a lot more money in it than I thought it would. And uh, what do you know? Higgins and P. Ryan scored. Also, I didn't even remember that they were the other legs in the bet. Extra $90 in my account. Got to love it when that happens. Yeah, I, you got to. I mean, it's found money. It's like finding a yarmulke in your shoe. You just got to you got to plow that right back into the system. <laughs> I'm going to say better than finding a yarmulke in your suit. That's, you got to find another. You got to find a ninety to one Super Bowl bet now. Obviously. All right, I'll, I'll look for that. And I have to ask. Uh, you mentioned on the pod last week parlaying my Kelsey parlay with your Hertz CMC parlay. Did you do that in real life? I did. So I and I, variance finally smiled upon me. That half yard came in my direction this week. So I yep. finally hit my plus one thousand or more parlay for the column. So I'm happy about that. Nice. Believe Just in me, the nick I'll, of time. I'll be crowing about it during my Super Bowl <laughs> preview column next week. Believe Good. me. I look forward to reading that. Uh, all right. On to my bets. Um, I have three Super Bowl props that I like for now. I'm sure I'll add some more next week. First, Dallas Goddard, anytime touchdown. He's as low as plus 140 at some sites, but I found plus 210 at points bet. The Chiefs were 28th in the league in red zone fantasy points allowed to tight ends. Um, so I like that stat. It's a great price on Goddard. Let's bet $80 to win 168 Another Eagles anytime touchdown, backup running back Boston Scott. He's as low as plus 450 at some sites, but he's plus 600 at points bet. The Chiefs don't have a great rush defense. Scott has three touchdowns in these two playoff games so far. So, you know, I wouldn't bet this one at plus 450, but at 6-1, to one, just way too high. Let's go $40 to win 240 And last one, this is one of my favorite bets that's only available on the Super Bowl. Over two and a half players to have a pass attempt is plus 160 at FanDuel. We have two quarterbacks here dealing with injuries. Both have competent backups who can come in for a few plays and not just be told to hand the ball off. Both coaches love to get tricky. Could call a, a Philly special type play somewhere along the line. Plus throw in the random chance of a, a punt that has a bad snap and the punter has to throw the ball away. I don't know. This feels to me like it should be around even money. Um, and, and it's such a fun one to root for because you're never out of it. And you don't even need a completion. You just need a pass attempt. So let's go $100 to win 160 That is a fun one to root for. I agree. All right. All right. Uh, for my first bet, I, I just want to – I'm keeping it as simple as as I can. Chiefs, <laughs> two, give me $200 on the Chiefs at plus 110 at Fox. Done. Money line. Mm, I have to – so now you're forcing me to root against our bankroll. Well, it's a fake <laughs> bankroll, so feel free. <laughs> I guess. But I still like to root for it. But in this case, I cannot. I just, I mean, I, 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 I'm right now where I might come back with an Eagles bet next week, but right now I, I, where I'm sitting, I really like, I like the chiefs. I really do. All right. So I guess what I'll pull for is that at the time of our recording next week, that the line swings enough that the Eagles are plus money on the money line and you just lock in a little tiny hedge profit. There you go. Okay. Um, all right, so my next bet. I'm uh, not sure if you heard, Jeff, but LeBron James is closing in on the NBA career points record. Um, as we record this Thursday morning, he needs 89 points to pass Kareem. They play the Pacers tonight, Pelicans Sunday, Thunder next Tuesday, Bucks next Thursday. Those Thunder and Bucks games are at home. The others before and after on the road. Uh, and he ain't scoring 89 points in the next two games anyway. They're going to make sure he breaks it in one of those home games. Here are his last five games, 28, 41, 20, 46, 37. That's 34.4 a game. 
I really think there's at least a 50-50 shot. He breaks it in three games. So that would be against the Thunder. Uh, the fourth game against the Bucks is listed as the favorite at plus 120. That Thunder game, some books have it plus 130, plus 140. At FanDuel, it's plus 200. And that mm. strikes me as a great price. So let's go 100 to win 200 that LeBron breaks the record February 7th at home against OKC. I like that bet. All right. I think I'm gonna. Do, I, I might. I, that might be a real one for me. I, I was uh, just. I was just saying that sounded like an. I'm pausing to jot that down while I right. before I before I say my next bet. That's pretty good. All right. I, for my next bet, it's a simple two leg single game parlay on the Super Bowl. I'm bringing back the Chiefs to win once again, mm-hmm. and I'm matching it with Travis Kelsey to score not one but two touchdowns. Ooh, all right. uh, this is a, for give me a hundred bucks at plus 750 over at FanDuel. Uh, you know, my rationale, I just like the Chiefs to win. And Ke- listen, Kelsey is the engine of this offense, you know? Uh-huh. like I mean, that's who Mahomes is always looking for first. And I don't know, the Super Bowl, and he's getting up there in age, and the brother, and the this and the that. So I, he's a lock for one. I say, yeah, it's more fun to root for two. All right, and if there. if he if he does it, he'll feel better about the fact that I've uh, insulted him as a podcaster and said he's uh, he's not the stronger of the Kelsey brothers in that regard, and that you yeah. and I are better than him and all that. Th- th- well, we just want him to feel good about himself. <laughs> right, that's our primary goal. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, all right, and now we finish the show with a dip into the Gamble On listener mailbag. Uh, this is our first time trying this. Please uh, tweet us with your questions. Tag me, tag Jeff, tag both of us. Or if you don't use Twitter, you can email me at eraskin at usbets.com. This week's question comes from at Ivan Don't Tweet, which is a lie. Ivan do tweet. Uh, but anyway, Ivan asks simply, who are your favorite analysts for sports you're less familiar with? So I'm pretty sure what he's asking there is in sports you don't follow that closely, what betting analysts do you like or listen to? Uh, Jeff, you want to take first crack at this? Yeah, I, I would, and I'll keep it right here in the old uh, Better Collective you know, family tree. Uh, Stephen Young, uh, better known as Stevie TPFL out there, uh, you know, he's our motorsports guy at Roto-Grinders, and his NASCAR stuff, I mean, I don't follow auto racing. I don't particularly like auto racing. If someone offered me tickets to go see it at auto race, I probably wouldn't take them. But I like gambling, uh, <laughs> and I like DFS a lot. And he is, I, I you know, listen, Sunday, you know, uh, Sundays rolls around. You know, I don't know. I'll, I'll throw 10, 12 bucks into a NASCAR DFS tournament, and I, I have won more than I've lost. And that's, I mean, it's 1,000% as a result of, you know, Reading what Steve has, you know, what Steven has to say. So yeah, I mean, as far as as far as the favorite analysts for sports I'm less familiar with, I mean, this is a no brainer for me. It's a uh, Stevie TPFL right here at Roto Grinders. Okay. All right, I am right with you on uh, not watching, not being into NASCAR, but uh, maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll check him out and play a little NASCAR DFS at some point. Um, so so the first one that comes to mind for me is last week's podcast guest. Uh, I discussed it with him, uh, Rufus Peabody on college football a sport I don't watch at all, but his models opened up some great betting opportunities and he mentioned them on bet the process. And I got, uh, well, not quite rich off them, but, uh, made a little something. Um, otherwise, you know, I really don't bet on the sports that I don't follow very often. Uh, I guess my brother has given me more winning tennis tips than losing tennis tips. So maybe he counts. Um, I'll mention Brad Feinberg, who's been on the podcast many times and has become a, a friend in real life. Uh, baseball, is a sport I do follow, but I honestly only know the Phillies. The, the rest of the league, 
there are some teams that I couldn't name any players on some of these teams off the top of my head. So when I hear Brad say something about a long shot futures bet he likes, or he tweets an over under on a pitcher's strikeouts in some random game, I'll pay attention. But, uh, but, but that's about it. I, I don't have people I listen to who podcast about sports. I don't care about because I haven't found someone so entertaining that they can make me care enough about that sport to listen. Um, but uh, I, I do have to say, Jeff, I'm offended that you didn't list me as a boxing analyst. I hand out winners. I am a winning did, boxing well, that's, better. That's I, true. I, I can usually spot the fights where there's a slight mispricing. So I feel like I should have been your answer to this question. Uh, I, sorry. Now I, I feel like I've made you feel as bad as, as you made Travis Kelsey feel. <laughs> yes. Uh, you've, you've not paid it forward, paid it backward. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, whatever. All right. Everyone's feelings are getting hurt this week. It happens. All right. That'll do it for this episode of Gamble On. Thanks to everybody out there for listening. And thanks again to this week's guest, Governor Chris Christie, who I have to admit, that was a lot more enjoyable than I expected. And by the time you're listening to this, uh, he's been to that Springsteen concert he was talking about. I saw the set list and some clips. I'm very jealous. Uh, anyway, you can find me on Twitter at Eric Raskin and Jeff at Jeff Edelstein and follow US Bets at US underscore bets. Go to usbets.com for all the latest news and analysis from the world of gambling and subscribe to this podcast on Megaphone, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else. And with that, Jeff. Please take us out. Uh, Eric, I don't know if you know this or not, but the NFL is rigged. <laughs> I've been, you know, obviously seeing this all over social media. You know, my favorite has been Giants fans claiming that the NFL is rigged after the Eagles beat them in that divisional. Let me check my notes. I think the score was a billion and a half to th fucking three or something. Uh, you know, <laughs> listen, referees are human. They're going to sometimes make a mistake. They're going to sometimes make a bad call. Sometimes they're going to miss something. The rules in the NFL are such that video can help but not at the expense of ruining the flow of the game. And for the love of Ed Hockley, it's not like this is a new phenomenon. Kill the ump was being chanted 100 years ago at baseball games. So what's right. different now? Well, social media, I think, is a big you know, difference here. Uh -huh. People are probably a little stupider than they were 100 years ago. Nobody's reading anymore, you know, so we're dumb. Right. We're dumb and with social media. Uh -huh. uh, you know, listen, just because your candidate, I'm sorry, just because your team lost, does not mean that there's a vast conspiracy afoot. You know, it just means that your candidate, well, I did it again. It just means that your team sucked that day. All right? Get over it. Get over yourselves. Grow up. Shut up. And gamble on.